Do you hate talking about money? Do you wish you could avoid it at all costs? That's not going to fly when you're talking to your significant other. This is what you need to know about talking money with your SO before it's too late. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. Today we're talking money and uh, we are no longer able to avoid money in our relationship with you listeners. So here we are talking about money with our most important significant other, our audience. But how do you talk about money with your own partner? That's what we're talking about today. I'm here with Miranda. Welcome to Adulting. Yay, it's money. We love talking about money because that's how we got our start writing on the internet. We've been writing about money and talking about money uh, for a long time before it was. Now it seems to be okay to talk about money, at least publicly to strangers. It's those personal relationships where talking about money seems to still be a major issue. And it's something that does need to be addressed. CNBC recently reported on a study that once again comes out with the idea that finances are the leading cause of stress in a relationship. Some 35% of the respondents in this study from SunTrust Bank say that relationship stress, money is the primary cause of friction. Money is a huge issue. It's very important because it gives us our means to live the way we want to live. And when we're combining our lives with another person, whether regardless of the level of combination that we're exploring at the moment, whether it's living together, whether it's getting married, whether it's just pursuing an ongoing relationship, money comes up. And is money really the problem or is communication about money the problem? I think it's a combination of the two because money touches everything in our lives. And the way we manage our money reveals a lot about our values and the things that matter to us. And then the way we talk about it and the way we communicate about it matters as well. So I think it's both things, because I think if you have differences in the way you approach money, that's kind of a fundamental problem that can come out. Even if you communicate really well about money, these fundamental differences can still cause friction in your relationship. I agree. It's a combination of the money and the financial values and decisions. And then it's the communication about those values of decisions. All of this plays in together. So obviously communicating about money has to be the first step. But when do we, when do we take that first step in a relationship? And I know we've written about this on adulting and we've talked about it in podcasts, but let's bring it up here. When in a relationship do we need to start talking about money? Oh, man. <laughs> I think when it starts getting serious, but at the same time, I think there are different levels of talking about money. You might want to talk a little bit about your financial values, or you might want to talk a little bit about if you're getting to the point where you're trying to take expensive vacations together, but you don't really have the income for that, it might be time to say, hey, can we try something a little less expensive? I don't really have the income to cover that. That can kind of move into it. But you don't have to necessarily pull out, here's all my debt and my terrible credit score six months in if you're not really serious yet. 
I think it's about the level of seriousness and where you're moving. Once you start having those discussions about moving in together or, or getting married or doing you know more financial things together where you might have to combine finances at least some of the time, uh, that's when you start talking about things like debt and credit score and those major things that we all wish we couldn't, we, we never had to reveal to other people. There's this point when we're starting to build a relationship, one that we believe has potential. And if we're going to combine lives, whether we, you know, quote unquote, combine finances, whether we do that or not, we still have to take an inventory of of where we stand as a unit financially. So I think that's important to do. And you don't have to do that when you're just dating or you don't have any intention as a couple, you don't have any intention because sometimes one person has intention and the other person doesn't. But when as a couple, if you don't have any intention to really build anything other than a fleeting romance, then you don't have to really touch on these subjects. It's only when you and your partner are looking to build something together in a relationship that you really want to be totally aware of what's going on. And I have seen many relationships fall apart completely because one person was hiding from the other some major financial issue. Now, of course, if you feel guilty about something or if you're embarrassed about something, it is really hard to communicate that. You have to open up and be honest with your partner before it gets too serious. Otherwise, it can create a conflict that is too much to survive as a couple. I love that advice because since I never plan to have anything more than a fleeting romance again, I never have to talk to anybody about money again. Fantastic. I suppose not. (laughs) (laughs) But it's important to talk to your significant other about money when you start getting to that point. Because once you get moving down there, the way you spend money and your financial values really do get at the heart of what you value as a person and your goals for later in life. So when you're talking about money, it's really not just about, hey, are you a spender or a saver? I mean, that matters. But there are lots of other things that kind of go deep into who you are as a person that comes out in the way you spend your money. I think the key is the financial values. But we, we talk about that as a term. But what, what are some examples of financial values so we know exactly what we mean when we say not only do we have to identify our own financial values, but be able to communicate those and then not compare them with our partner, but discuss them and see where there is overlap and where there are any conflicts. But we can't do any of that if, if we don't even know what financial values are. What, what would be your financial values, Miranda? I personally value experiences over things. So if I'm going to spend money and I have my finite resources, I will choose an experience over a thing anytime. I will choose a day at the spa over buying a new blender. That's just the way it's going to be for me because I prefer experiences. I prefer going out and experiencing those things. I think it's worth it to spend a couple thousand dollars on a nice vacation or to go someplace I've never been before. And I have friends who would rather take that $2,000 and spend it on a big screen TV that they can sit and watch every night. And that's fine. I think it's important to realize that, you know, spending on experiences versus things, there's not something that's like better or more worthy than others. It's just 
how you prefer to use your money. So that's an example of that. I also view money as a resource to help me accomplish my goals. I like to be prepared for the future. So I make sure that I'm putting money in my retirement account. I make sure I'm putting money in my son's 529 because one of my values is to make sure that my son gets a good start in life. I value giving to charity. So I make sure that that's one of the first things I spend money on each month is giving to charity. Looking at those things that matter to you, well, I like to help other people. So I give to charity and I put money in my son's 529. So there, there's things like that that you kind of need to dig into and figure out what matters to you and then look and see whether your money, whether your spending habits match that. You've obviously given your financial values a lot of thought. I have as well. And a lot of my values are somewhat similar to yours, Miranda. You know, in addition to a lot of what you said, one of the things that I see as a financial value is how I like to handle financial risk. I am willing to invest in things that I believe in and take financial risk in order to do so. And that's reflected in how I invest in businesses at the same time as having a pretty pretty solid index fund based nest egg, I guess you could say, or, you know, that's where my investments are. It's pretty run of the mill but it gives me some freedom to do some other things on the side that will, you know, that that I'm willing to face up some risk for. And at the same time, one of my financial values, debt is one aspect of financial values that it's important to talk about as well and and how much debt you're willing to take on and how much you're able to take on. And while I wouldn't go into debt for something, I don't have any credit card debt my value is to avoid that as much as possible. I'm in a position where I can, but at the same time, I do have loans and, you know, I work out interest rates and and investments so that I'm making more than I'm paying in debt and I don't have any any problem with having that sort of debt. So it's like there's there's this good debt versus bad debt kind of thing. A lot of people believe all debt is bad. Other people believe that debt can be used as a tool uh, for better investing. And as long as that risk is manageable, that is something I'm comfortable with. Uh, so that is one of my financial values that it would be important to discuss with someone as well. And like you, I am kind of the same way. I haven't paid off my student loans because I have a 1.9% interest rate on them. So and they're tax deductible. So there are other things I can do with my money. And I think that's an important thing to talk about because some people are more interested in, I just need to be debt free and be free of that because it hangs over my head. And I've been in a relationship with someone in the past who is really like that. And it is, it's hard for them to understand why you wouldn't pay down your student loans as fast as you possibly can because it's debt is debt is debt is debt. When your value is, hey, what else could I be doing with this money instead that will give me a better return? Being able to do that and be on the same page or at least understand where the other person is coming from is really important to move forward because if you can't talk about this stuff and if you can't set this tone for respect and having a respectful interchange of ideas, then it just devolves into an absolute nightmare. Yeah, and there's no reason, and we're certainly not saying that you have to agree with your partner and see everything from the same exact angle. I think it's this communication, understanding, and realizing that 
values are not ideological when it comes to money and there's room for many opinions and many opinions there's there's in a, in a lot of ways there's no right or wrong answers of course there are some things where we may want to draw the line on if there is a financial issue say if i were a compulsive spender and i had no awareness of my net worth and no awareness of how my cash flow was doing that could be an issue for somebody i would be in a relationship with and that would have to be something that was addressed and if it was a problem for the other person where they were not willing to take on the burden of my compulsive spending then this might be a sticking point in the relationship and it would be understandable that when a compromise cannot be made, then we would have to move on. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that that's something that you need to you know figure out as you move on, as you talk to each other. And before you get too deep into sharing your finances and, and combining your finances and merging your life in a way that makes it even messier to untangle if you get to that point where you're like, okay, this is untenable and we really cannot make this work financially with our different financial values. You don't want to get to that point where it becomes too messy to untangle all that stuff. What are some of the, and and we talked about some of these already, but what are some of the specific money-related items that should be included in a discussion about money? And I'm not saying included all at once. This is a major conversation that can happen across a period of time. But what are the things that do need to be discussed? So as you touched on, debt is definitely something that should be talked about. Your credit. Well, with debt, that means how much you have, right? Without hiding anything. Let's be upfront. Let's share and not be embarrassed and and not be scared to show how it really is, if if it is. And it's not just the numbers, but it's how do we feel about debt? Just like we spoke about a few, you know, a little while ago as we were talking about our values. What is your approach to debt? What kind of debt are you comfortable with? And where can we agree? And not only that, but if we combine our finances, are we also assuming each other's debts? Because if you get married in some states, you are automatically assuming the debt of your partner. So it's important to be aware of those things if your relationship is going in that direction and at least being aligned philosophically. Another thing to talk about is your credit score or situation. Now, this might seem a little intrusive, but the reality is, is if you decide later on that you're going to combine finances or that you're going to get a, buy a car together or if you're going to buy a house together, your individual scores are going to matter. And if your partner or you, if one of you has a really crappy credit score, that could hinder you from being able to reach your goals or get the things you want to get. And it could also mean it's more expensive when you do get it. So you'll end up with a higher interest rate if one of you has a really crappy score. So if you are getting to the point where you guys are talking about combining finances or you're talking about like a shared goal of buying a house together, then you need to have that credit discussion so that you know where you stand and you can move forward with a realistic sense of what's going to happen next. And I can tell you, uh, many people I've spoken to, especially people in their 20s and, and 30s, let's say, people in that age range, there, there's this belief that the love that we have for each other goes well beyond any of these you know, materialistic issues. That's great, but what do you do 
when you're finally in this position where you realize that you can only qualify for a, a really high interest mortgage together. And if you qualify at all, and, and that's, re- that's really the key is, are you going to qualify at all? Are you going to be able to get that house when you want to get that house? Are you comfortable with putting it off for years and years while you save because you can't get a mortgage because your, your love is so immaterial? And I think another thing to look at is how you budget. What is the strategy you use? If you get out there on the personal finance world, there are so many things. People love envelopes. They love zero-based budgeting. They love... There's so many different strategies out there for, for budgeting or creating a spending plan or whatever you want to call it. And you need to talk about how you do that, how you put it together. Like you said, there are so many different ways to do that. And you're looking for how to come together in one budget. That's something for a later stage in the relationship, but at least knowing how you approach it. And for most people, it's going to be probably no budget at all because most people do not budget. And then maybe this is an opportunity to to really open up the potential to get on better financial footing just by starting this conversation about money. I think I think that's probably one of the primary things to talk about. So you do get to a position together. Another thing to talk about is uh, your investments. What investments do you have? What type of investments would you like? Are you saving for retirement? Are you investing for retirement? Having the the talk about investments is important, especially because, again, like the budgeting, you might find that one person has some interesting ideas on investing that the other person can also take on and become a part of together or separately. And then that way you're on better financial footing for the future. And I think being able to talk about these things is hugely important Another thing to talk about is that work and income piece. What do you want to do for work? What are you doing for income? What is your job? What are your career aspirations? What do you hope to do next? Are you planning on starting a business? Do you want to be an entrepreneur? Because one of the things that a lot of people overlook is if you are starting your own business, working on becoming self-employed, that takes a lot of time and effort and you really need a strong support system and your partner needs to be on board with that. So this is a discussion you need to have. You can say, hey, I'm working this desk job right now, but I have a side gig that I hope to turn into a full-time income, and I hope to quit in the next two years. Uh, talking about that is very important. Absolutely. I think this is this is so key to creating a good working relationship with your spouse in terms of what they expect with your time. Like you said, if you are of the mind to start a side hustle, you should talk to your partner about that because the time you spend is time you're taking away from the relationship. And that time, it is a commodity just like money is. So it's important how you spend your time just as important how you spend your money in terms of how you're going to communicate about that and then make the relationship work moving forward. Work, income, uh, side hustle, and how you're spending your time, these are all things that kind of go together in this important communication that you have to start when it comes to money. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then finally, you've got to have that conversation. Are you going to combine finances? Are you really going to put them together? And if you do put them together, how much? You know, will you combine finances for your shared expenses and then keep everything else separate? Are you going to put it all into one big pot? Are you going to keep it all separate? I think it's important to have that conversation and make sure that you know that you both are on the same page and have the same thoughts about that. 
do these conversations have to be really detailed? Do they have to take hours? Do we spread them out over a course of days? How, how does the practical application of these discussions about money with your significant other going to work? I think some of these just kind of occur naturally. Uh, there are times when, you know, when you're discussing life or you're moving forward with things, things like your work and income or, you know, how you like to budget things. Those things can actually easily come out in a regular conversation, but other items that might not <laughs> be so natural or, you know, things like whether or not you plan to combine finances or your budgeting strategy. And I don't think that it's a good idea to sit down and have it all out at once. You're going to get fatigued. You're going to run down. It's going to get awful. I think it's a good idea to just start with a high level review. You don't need to get in depth and detailed. I think a general overview to begin with, just to kind of sit down and say, hey, you know, we're thinking of moving in together or, hey, we've been thinking about doing this vacation together. But before we move forward, uh, let's talk a little bit about how we're going to divide up the expenses and kind of go from there and take a practical kind of high level view of things. And as you get more involved and as your finances come closer together, then you'll have these discussions more and more frequently and probably be more detailed. As we were talking about this, I thought of an additional thing that you'll want to discuss if it if it is an issue for you or your significant other, is whether you plan to go back to school for more education, because that can certainly have a significant financial impact on your life and the life of your significant other if you are getting to that stage. So have that discussion. If you are considering going back for a master's degree or finishing your bachelor's degree or just spending more time getting an education, that should be included in everything else that we're talking about. Definitely need to do that. That's a big one. Some other things also to talk about as you move forward, you may have some goals that are separate or financial things that you keep separate, but there are some shared goals that you should consider if your relationship is moving to that life partner stage. Things like retirement, buying a house, having children, and paying for college for those potential children, and travel. These are shared goals that even if you say, oh, I'm gonna, we're going to keep our finances separate, these are shared goals that you do need to sit down and kind of plan together, and that you may ne- even need to do some sort of semi-combining. Otherwise, you run into problems. So you do need to sit down and have a plan for some of these shared goals. As we're getting to the point now where we know what we have to talk about, we know that we want to do it, and we think our partner is on board, how do we, how do we start this? What, are the, what do we do in order to make the first discussion we have as comfortable as possible? Because it's impossible to make sure that it's, that it's going to be perfectly comfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable no matter what. <laughs> and it should be a little uncomfortable. That's okay to have that in a relationship. It is okay to be uncomfortable sometimes and to be nervous and to have to figure things out. So I think one of the things that you can do if you know that you're going to sit down and you know you need to have a major talk is to schedule it out. Schedule a time to do it. Say, hey, let's have a money date (laughs) and schedule it out and consider an agenda. I know this is really weird. You're like, I'm going to have an agenda. But to have an idea of, okay, these are the things we're going to talk about. Because if you, you you probably don't want to spend, especially if it's your first discussion, you probably don't want to spend more than an hour and you probably don't want to go over everything. So pick one or two things that are most important and say, all right, we're going to schedule out. These are the things we're going to talk about. Before you go into this, schedule this for a time that you know that you both will 
have had enough sleep, you're fully rested and ready to go, and you're not hungry because when you're hungry, you get hangry, and hangry is not a good condition for having any sort of discussion with your significant other. So you want to have eaten and you want to have slept. All of those things have to come first. You have to be in a great mood, ready to have a significant discussion about your future. Yeah. And I love that you point that out. When I'm hangry, it's best I don't even talk to my son. I'm just like, I do not feel well. I'm going to go eat something. (laughs) And then we can have this discussion. And it works with your significant other and, and everything else. Another thing to consider is having a third party to facilitate. Now, this should be a mostly neutral third party, like a financial professional, or a member of the clergy, somebody that you trust. Your mom as the third party is not a good idea because your mom is on your side. And the other thing is, is the, the one of the biggest pieces of advice my mom gave me when I was engaged was she said, don't tell me anything bad about your soon to be husband because I will remember it and hold it against him. <laughs> and, and I was like, interesting. So don't have your mom there. Your mom is a terrible third party. Pick somebody who isn't in, you know, as invested in your specific situation to kind of be there and maybe facilitate the situation. That just reminded me of a situation I had with a past, with a past relationship I had where you said that your mom didn't want you to tell her about the bad things about your ex-husband. But in this case, it was my ex-girlfriend, who was my girlfriend at the time, thought she could confide in my mother all of the bad things about me. That didn't go over so well. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't want your your ex-girlfriend coming over and telling her all the things about her precious little boy. No, that that wasn't going to (laughs) happen. And then finally, take a break. If things start getting heated, if, if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, if you feel like you're going over the same thing over and over again, if you feel like you are getting angry or tired or burnt out on the discussion, just say, hey, let's put a pin in it and we will reconvene once we've had some more rest, some more time to think and, and maybe even just be like, okay, we're going to take a break, but here's the homework. Here are the things that we need to think about in the next three days before we talk about this again. That's such a good idea. And I know that I... There's a TV show called How I Met Your Mother. It's a funny TV show, but it, it, it does have some occasional insight on relationships. And one of the one of the couples within the show, whenever they would get into a discussion that was upsetting them, uh, they would just they would say pause and they'd put whatever the issue is on pause and they'd continue with what they need to do to get on with their lives together and deal with other things at the moment, things that they could they could actually, they had the emotional fortitude to deal with at the time. Because these, these discussions can get emotional and can get heated if there's any sort of conflict, and it's okay for there to be conflict in a relationship. We're not saying that all relationships should be clear of any conflict, but you have to deal with it, and you have to deal with it in a constructive way. And one of the ways to do that is to take a break. Just pause the discussion, think about things, and come back to it at a later time when you're, again, ready to address it. Now, if this keeps coming up over and over on the same issue, and it's something that you can't get past, then you go back You go back to the third party, you get someone else to help you resolve this, or you, again, you look at your values as a couple and you determine what it is that you can live with and what you can't live with. Yeah, definitely. 
there are some do nows that you can do as you get ready to have this conversation with your significant other. And some of these exercises even make sense if you, you're not quite to that point where you're going to have that discussion with your significant other. It's still a good idea to go through these exercises to just sort of kind of ground yourself. And of course, the number one thing is to write something down. It's to write down your own financial preferences and values. So get an idea of what matters to you so you know where your starting point is and so that you can clearly articulate that when you're ready to have this conversation. Well, writing down is the key to everything. And we we should create a workbook that just has every episode that we've recorded, all of the do nows, and then, you know, a, a way for people to just write things down right there. And then they have their book of do nows. But yes, figure out what your values are, write them down. I, I would even say, you know, these are my values. This is what I know of my partner and what I think their values might be. And then when you finally do have that discussion, see how well you were at really getting to the core of what their financial values are. Uh, you may be close and you may be far away, but that's okay because that's why you're having the discussion. Next, schedule a time in the next week to talk to your significant other about money. This is something that you can do right now with your significant other. Look ahead to the week and schedule a time with him or her to sit down and start the conversation. Just don't do this by saying, listen, babe, we need to talk. Because that's just, you don't want to go down that road. It just makes things sound like there, it creates more of tension than you need in a relationship. Just be, be upfront and honest and say, listen, I want to talk a little bit about, about my financial situation. And then that way, your partner doesn't feel that you're putting them on the spot. And just be as open and as welcoming to creating a positive environment as possible. That is what is going to help make this conversation go easy. Right. And then finally, check your own financial situation so you know where you stand. So check your credit, check your credit report, check your budget, do a little net worth check, whatever it is, but look at your own financial situation so you come into this prepared and ready to go. Yeah, yeah. You should be able to anticipate any questions that your partner will have for you. So if you are able to, you know, have a good idea of what they're going to ask you, you want to have those answers ready to go, whether it's your credit score or your net worth, which is your your balances, how much money you have in the bank or on hand, how much debt you have, all of these things you should know and you should be ready to discuss. Yes, definitely. So now we have a listener question. I'm not sure I trust my SO with money. He wants to combine finances, but I'm worried about him accessing my accounts. What can I do to protect my money? Ah, okay. Great question. Trust is incredibly important in a relationship, but how far does that trust go? Are you going to give access to your bank account over to your significant other? At some point in a relationship, that might become an issue that needs to be discussed. I think the first thing is to get to the core of why you don't trust your significant other with money. Have you had the talk about money? Do you not agree with his approach to money? And why is it that you don't trust him? Is it because he's shown that he is a spender and you are a saver? Or has he shown that he lies? There is a a world of difference between the two, but both lead to distrust, but it's important to know why that distrust exists. So that's the first thing I would do. Miranda, do you have any suggestions? 
Yeah. And I think one of the things that you need to really pay attention to is the fact that if you are worried about him accessing your accounts, if you don't have that trust, then don't combine finances. And and that's a hard thing to do because maybe they'll threaten to break up with you. But if that trust isn't there, then maybe you shouldn't be with them anyway. That doesn't mean that you have to break up. You know, if you're worried about the way they spend the money, if you're worried about what happens if you break up down the road, if you're worried about them emptying out your accounts. I mean, I have a friend who his ex-wife, before she filed for divorce, emptied out their joint account and she could if the money was hers as well. I mean, they were on a joint account. She emptied out the joint account and then filed for divorce. You know, if you really are worried about having giving somebody that access to your accounts, even if it's not something to do with him, but it's something to do with you and you just not wanting uh, somebody to have that access to your money, you know, maybe you don't combine finances. Maybe instead you just say, hey, I know we're going to have some shared expenses. Let's put together one joint account where we each put X amount each month to help pay for shared household expenses, or we do a percentage of our income, whatever it is, you know, we can combine finances that way for the shared expenses, but still keep things separate. In a relationship, when you get to the idea of combining finances, there is always going to be one person in the relationship who's in a better financial position than the other. Uh, it will never be completely equal. It, it may be mostly equal, but even still, if there is a wide difference in the state of finances for one person in the couple versus the other, that's when there's going to be a lot of tension. Maybe that's the case here. It sounds like the partner, he, he wants to combine finances, and the listener who asked the question did not make it clear whether it's something she or he would do. But obviously, because of the distrust, there is something blocking. One person wants it, the other person doesn't want it. And getting to the root cause of that is so important. And realizing that not every couple needs combined finances, and maybe those who are on such a different stratus uh, one from the other, perhaps it would be better for both if finances weren't combined. And it's going to be difficult to get your partner to understand that if they are dead set on combining finances, because they see that as a way to improve their overall financial situation. That's all stuff to think about. And it's never an easy decision. But the bottom line is, is if you don't want somebody else mucking about in your accounts, then you don't combine finances. Great. So we would love to hear from you if you have any stories about talking about finances or combining finances, anything that went well with your significant other, anything that went poorly with your significant other. We would love to hear these stories. So leave some comments for us. Tell us your story at adulting.tv slash A67. That's this episode. Do ask us any questions that you have otherwise at adulting.tv slash ask and of course, join our Facebook community, Hashtag Adulting, where we're talking about this stuff all the time. And thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe in iTunes and Stitcher and check us out at adulting.tv for extra articles, videos, and resources that can help you act more like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.